The TEFL Commute, Season 7, Episode 2, Accents, in which we explore accents in popular culture and in the classroom. Let's get started. poem suitable for the occasion extemporized and thought up before your very eyes all right here we go room in for everyone gather around the constable's responsible now how does that sound always oh, good to start with a bit of dick van dyke there Lindsay. see this is interesting <laughs> I, you know you put this on and i hadn't heard that before but is it just because i'm not that aware of dick van dyke i know the name but I had not, I'd not heard this before. It's this kind of, it, it's. I mean, you, you, you heard how terrible that, 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 that accident, that Cockney accident is, isn't it? Yeah. I guess it's one of those things. If you're British, you always know it because I mean, it's Mary Poppins, and that's part of all. We all grow up with Mary Poppins. As soon as you said to me, um, or said to us, well, you know, when we were planning season seven, let's do something on accents. The first thing that came into my head was Dick Van Dyke, and then I was really shocked to find out you, you didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, it doesn't really read. It doesn't register with me and it never yeah. registered with me when i saw the movie mary poppins either that that was a, uh, a, a i mean it's an awful accent and even now you know even now when people talk about co- the mockney cockney accents people will will refer to dick van dyke it's and that's 40 i mean what is it 40 odd years yeah since mary poppins that's true um with it but so 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 it's uh, but i find it really interesting i put it in and it's a, a cultural reference and i'm sure james uh, will agree with me it's a cultural reference that we know very well but then you don't it's just I thought it was mocked all over the world no. a bad accent. Well, maybe I just missed no. out on that. By the way, everybody, if you're listening to us, welcome. This is the Tefl Commute. It's a podcast for language teachers, but not about language teaching, although the topic seems to come up. And I think today's episode on accents is one such episode. I'm your host, Lindsay Kleinfield, and the other host, my my co-host. Uh, hi, I'm Sean. <laughs> I'm Sean Wilden. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I like my accent very much, but we're going to talk about accents. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, how would you describe your accent? What's your accent, Sean? Uh, I come from a part of the country with one part of accent. I went to study in another part of the country which got even kind of altered my accent even more. Went abroad, which affected my accent. I've got a slight list. Uh, so I think I would describe my accent as a mess. <laughs> but would you describe it as more of a Northern English accent, do you think? I guess at the moment it's less Northern. I mean, I am North, Northern English, but it's less Northern than it can be. I've, what I find interesting when I go back up North or I'm with a lot of Northern friends, it'll become a lot more Northern. But no, I think it's... Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm never a fan. It's it's funny when yeah. of my, I don't think anybody likes their own accent. I don't know, but what are you? Because you're Canadian, so are you, is it a British accent, an American accent? Is it a well? I I mean, I would say it's yeah. The Canadians tend to think they have their own Canadian accent, although I think most of my learners would never be able to distinguish between a Canadian and an American. Lots of my colleagues sometimes might, but they always want to say, "Oh, so do you say oot in a boot?" And I don't know if I do. I, I can never hear myself saying that. So that's not a giveaway. But also, I've been living in Europe for a long time. So my accent has become what I think some people call mid-Atlantic. So, 
but I, I don't think there's much British in there. I suppose I do. I, same as you, I, I become more Canadian when I go back home. Right. right. Can you do? I mean, I'm terrible at accents. Can you do? Can you do a British accent? Oh no, no, I'm really embarrassed to do it. I'll give it a try. Hello, Sean. How's it going then? See, you're, but, that's your best Dick Van Dyke. That's uh, yeah. That, that's all right, perfect. all right, wait, wait, wait. Hello, Sean. Are you all right then? <laughs> So, Should we so, get started, Sean? No, I can't. I can't even do it. I can't. I, I'm not even going to try. Since we started this whole endeavor of the of the Tuffle commute, um, it's so true. Like you talked about Dick Van Dyke, and now we just talked about me doing it awfully. One of the things I wanted to talk about accents to start with, before we talk about like learners and their accents and all that kind of stuff, is is why is it? I've always been curious. Why is it that British actors? can do very convincing American accents and that British singers can sing rock and pop with a convincing American accent, but American accent, American actors and singers, I, I don't think ever, I, I can, I can hardly think of any that really, really nailed it well, or at least I can think of far more that got it wrong. I mean, here, let's, before we go any further, let's take a listen to one of the worst crimes in my mind. You put Dick Van Dyke, but me as a North American, I was so embarrassed by Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Take a listen to this British accent. That if you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win. They got armor. They got armor, Paul. Even this boy can be taught to find the chinks in every suit of armor. But we ain't got nothing to eat. What do we need that the forest cannot provide? We have food, wood for weapons. We'll find safety and solace in our trees. So what do you think? You see, for me, and I know when we were planning this episode, and you were always going, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, Prince of Thieves. And I listened to that a lot last night, and I thought, yeah, okay, I can see what the problem is. But it's not that bad. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. It just—it's just like it's—it's it's like the accent hasn't even changed at all. It just sounds sort of like oh, oh, it just sounds awful. It sounds awful. But isn't that the thing? That's what I wondered at first. I mean, was he not even trying, or was he trying and it just didn't work? I mean, like Dick Van Dyke, going back to the example, was clearly trying and it didn't work. I sort of wonder. I wonder if he just wasn't trying. And I did some research on this, so I, I found okay. I found some stuff about why. Why is it? Because this is a thing. People have written about English accents and, and, and Brits doing Americans better than vice versa. So uh, before we get into some specific examples, here, here, here was the explanation. Um, this was came from an article I read about uh, that was an interview with two um, dialect coaches who work with actors on both sides of the Atlantic. Their names are Bob and Claire Korf. Um, we could put a link to this right. episode in the, in the show notes. But... Um, Basically, what they said is that English actors from England learn very early on, if they can't do standard American accents, their international career is going to be curtailed a bit. So um, they right. get much more intense voice training than in America. So they're studying movement, voice, accents, etc. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so the international market in that case is often the American market and American actors don't have to work on perfecting that accent. So most American actors don't have to go through that, like hard training, you know, and it doesn't include, when they do, it doesn't include dialects and accents. It, ma it makes sense. It, it makes sense. Cause I mean, obviously I, I guess if you're aspiring, aspiring to be a Hollywood, you need an American accent, which again, part perhaps is why 
um, Costa didn't have to try in in Robin Hood. Well, according to these coaches in the article, they said that the actor, American actors just can't believe that getting a new accent down would be something that difficult, that it would be a problem. Um, oh, right, really? Uh, well, this is this is what they say. Is, I don't know. This is the greatest accent ever. We don't need anything else but this accent. Well, I don't know if it's exactly any other, that. Any other accent but is I think fake. they don't. I, I think um, I think what what, the, what it concludes is that um, American actors could do British accents, but the parameters of their careers usually mean they're not as compelled to have to. Whereas the right. other way around, you may be more compelled to have to do an American accent if you want to break into an international market. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes, it makes sense. Are there any other American actors or actresses that you think of that have done a good British accent? Uh, a good one? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I spent all my time looking looking at people who uh, looking at people who did bad ones. But I can give you another bad one. Here's, um, here's um, what's she called? Angela, Angelina Angela Jolie. In, uh, she's playing, the, uh, playing a wicked witch. I must say, I really felt quite distressed at not receiving an invitation. <laughs> See, that's bloody awful. That, that for me, is awful. <laughs> you see, I didn't hear that one as bad, but... Maybe, hang on, maybe we're going about this the wrong way. Maybe this is an ear for accents. We're talking about producing accents. Maybe it's the ear for accents. We should be listening we do, but... It could be. It could be. Hey, I do have a funny story, though, about accents in general. Okay. Um, well, uh, um, about actors and accents, including some of the British actors, because, I mean, I think one of the things is that any of those American actors doing British accents, you know, like no one, I don't think any British person has really been fooled completely that an American, by an American okay. actor doing a British accent. They may think they're a good one. However, North Americans have been fooled. I've been fooled completely by some actors that when I found out they were not American, I was I was shocked, uh -huh. and I couldn't even hear. I couldn't even listen to them. So, for example, if you remember The Wire, never watched it. The Wire, it's Wire, Wire is ten years old, isn't it? It's actually it's amazing. Well, The Wire had a bunch of British actors. It did, yeah. But I, ne I, I, Dominic West, yeah. Idris Elba. I never thought any of them were British. Oh, really? And so when I went on YouTube and I saw an interview with one of them, it. It, it shocked me so badly. When I was a kid, I never could understand that the singers of some of my favorite bands, like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, were British. Oh, okay. Because wow. they just sounded American to I, me. It's interesting because Idris Elba's got such a strong British accent as well. Just... Yeah. Well, no, definitely. Um, and another one who was like that, who shocked me, was somebody who I once met. And I'll, I'll tell you the story now. I was at a... Um, for a course book, I was doing some recording for a course book and, and for the recordings, for the, the dialogues and everything we have to do with them. Uh, we were doing these ones in right. London at a big studio in London where, you know, we, we the, the publisher had rented out two rooms and had the sound producer and the actors coming in and we're doing, you know, the little dialogues for an elementary course book. So like, you know, uh, would you like a cup of tea? You know, or I don't know. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Reading the ABCs. But in the next room over... All of a sudden, I heard all the actors talking excitedly, and they said, Damien Lewis is in the next door recording an audiobook. He was recording an audiobook. I knew you were yeah. going to talk about Damien Lewis, and I was about to think, I, I knew yeah. you told me you were going to talk about Damien Lewis, and I just thought, my gosh, was he the voice in your course book? <laughs> no, he was. Oh, God, I wish. No, he was in this other room recording something for an audiobook. Right. right. So he was, doing, he was doing something. And so everyone was talking, but I couldn't see him. Um, and then um, and then I came out like it was the coffee break and everyone kind of had had moved off or something. And he suddenly walked out 
of that thing and he was he it was just me and him in this little room and i just thought okay i have to i have to say something at this point he hadn't done homeland yet so he was still he was but he had done band of brothers and that's what i'd seen him in so he um so i i walk up to him and i say excuse me um whatever I, I can't even remember what i said you know i was so starstruck but um this was by the way i was recording for a course book which i had said wasn't gonna have any celebrities in it and here i was like a celebrity 13 year old <laughs> anyway so i was like oh you know hi um sorry to bother you uh i just wanted to say and then i kind of like stumbled over stuff and he said in a really strong london accent he said oh you want to say you, you like the stuff that i've done or something like that right but he said it in such a strong english accent and i was really taken aback because um and and you know we said a couple more things but i was kind of i kept kind of staring at him because i always thought he was american so hearing him say it in this really strong accent and finally said you know i'm really sorry but where are you from he said oh i'm from london mate sorry there's me trying to do a bad he said he said he said uh, he said it and and i said oh okay and then he started and then all of a sudden he switched back into his captain winter's accent but without even telling me that he was going to do it, he didn't even say, "Hey, look, I'll, I'll talk to you." Right. Like that. He's like, he suddenly switched into the back into the accent to say, "Well, I'm doing a new show that you might be interested in. Keep an eye out. It's called Homeland. I think if you liked the Band of Brothers things, really like you might like this. And tell your friends and all this stuff." I was like, "Oh, I will, I will, I will." And then, can I get a photo and all of that stuff? And he, and and he said, "Oh yeah, sure, no problem." But he had switched back into the Captain Winter's accent, and I thought it was so amazing. And. Uh, Anyway, so that was my Damien Lewis accent story. I, I'm impressed. I, must have, I, I, I too have met, met oh, uh, Damien Lewis, but I didn't have the balls to go up and say hello to yeah. him. <laughs> well, the interesting so, thing was I heard a, a, again about this switching accents back into their American accent. While I was at the same recording thing and I told people I had met Damien Lewis and what had happened, one of them knew Idris Elba. And he said that Idris Elba had, um, after doing The Wire, had been in the U.S. and was in uh, was in some kind of club. This is a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but was in a club somewhere in Los Angeles. And a whole bunch of these kind of like guys in the club in the VIP section invited him over to the to the to their section. They heard he was there, and these guys were apparently like kind of like kind of shady kind of maybe sort of gangster guys but because idris elba played a gangster in the wire they were like oh yeah it's stringer bell it's stringer bell and everything like that and he came over there and apparently the story goes that he started talking to them in his british accent and there was like this big silence around the table and then someone's like hey man stop doing that stop doing that talk talk <laughs> talk to us normal all right don't do that anymore <laughs> and so he switched back into his accent because he suddenly got a bit scared. He switched back into the American accent. Uh, it is very interesting. I, I know I'm gonna. I think we're gonna end up listening to uh, listening to uh, films in the completely the wrong way because we're just concentrating on the accents again now and not on not actually what they're saying. Let's um, let's have a if you don't mind. Let's have another piece of audio. Winter is coming. Winter is coming, and winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> Winter is coming. Mm-hmm. Winter is coming. And winter is coming. Wow. Did you like that? Well, that was, yeah, I, yeah, that's good. But I mean, what, what I find interesting about that is that there is a range of accents yeah. of people saying that line, but yeah. they're all British. And this comes on to this other point, which I, I remember reading in a magazine somewhere, and I thought, oh, that's so true. The que- it was just a question, was why 
are all fantasy characters and medieval characters. Why are their accents always British? The link which we'll put on the site that you sent me, it's fascinating. My immediate answer to you is, well, they're always filmed in Britain, aren't they? I mean, the Game of Thrones is filmed over here. Um, so it's using British accents, but that's not true, of course. Yeah, but, the, but, but you would never see... It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like, but with all fantasy things, it could be. It could be Game of Thrones. It could be Lord of the Rings. It could be older ones. It could be video games. Uh, it could be anything. They're always British, um, and it's almost like you. You would never, ever like a dwarf, for example, is often like I. I find often with like a Scottish or a Northern English accent. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, it is. And and an elf is like often with a higher kind of like almost slightly posh. English accent. You would never hear a Texan dwarf, would you? Would you? That would just sound so weird. No, you're you're absolutely right. Let's let's prove that. I do not know the way. I will help you bear this burden, Frodo Baggins, as long as it is yours to bear. By my life or death, I can protect you. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. I would like you to be my guest at a ceremony that will make this battle station operational. No star system will dare oppose the Emperor now. So, you see, in the, there's the Fellowship of the Ring, exactly as you said. The Northern uh, Scottish Dwarves, the uh, Posh Fellowship... And uh, obviously the Star Wars clip talking there with with uh, as posh as English accent as you can get. I know. So if these are all fantasy wor worlds, why do they have to all speak with a British accent? And I think it's also as 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 other writers have said, it's become so ingrained in fantasy and science fiction that that it would almost jar the the listener if it was American. And I think I mean there's been a couple of reasons for this. For for if you're considering like these are American shows made for the American viewer the British accent is considered uh, exotic in a way to transport you to another place while still being comprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So the, like what, what the, what the, like the, the marketing thing is that the mid Western American accent counts as normal, but not other, not, not exotic. Mm. Which is why uh, Luke and uh, Han and all those have uh, very very normal American accents and all the Brit all the bad guys have British accents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's that. And the same thing is you also get it with uh, not just with fantasy things like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, but also it tends to be um, if the idea is that a British accent transports a listener to a more exotic place, that the British accent is stand in for any other kind of exotic places. So you get it with films of ancient Greece, ancient Rome. Don't we have a clip of Spartacus here? We do. Here's Peter, Peter Ustinov in Spartacus. Oh, 11 miles through this disastrous heat and the cost of hiring an escort. Ruinous. Even so, I warrant you have nothing fit to sell me, have you, Captain? See, I mean, uh, but uh, but that's that kind of idea. This is uh, this is yeah, this setup, isn't it? That the 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 foreigner is is uh, speaks British. I, yeah. I wonder if that's why the British always assume that foreigners speak English. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, uh, I mean, there's another element as well. I think that you were mentioning before when we talked about why do all fantasy characters speak with a British accent? Is um, the accents. And eventually we're going to get to language teaching people, but we're, we're going on this for a little bit. Um, the accents of, um, of the villain, 
Uh, like because that's that's another thing is that often in uh, cartoons, TV shows, films, etc., the the villain has to have often a different accent than the hero. So accents play a role there. And well, let's go through a couple of them. Why don't you why, why don't you play us a couple of clips of bad guys speaking? Um, here, here's here are my five favorite bad guys. Then I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Give me the code. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. And you got that really interesting one there with the first one, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, which of, of course is Alan Rittman, who's British, playing a German yeah. uh, with a German accent, yeah. speaking English with a German accent. And even more interesting, uh, Ernst, Ernst Blofeld in, in Goldfinger, who's, and this is really interesting, because Ernst Blofeld is uh, German by yeah. uh, by birth. The, the, uh, sorry, uh, sorry the, play, the person that plays him, uh, Gert Frobe, he's German. Uh, he didn't actually allegedly didn't speak any English, so he was overdubbed by somebody oh, else wow. speaking English that's, that's in crazy. a in a German German accent. I mean, the, uh, but this is this this idea of this British German thing is is quite well quite interesting. I, 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 I did some reading on this as well, and I think originally. Uh, at the you know um, movies from the 40s 50s 60s etc uh, the villains tended to default to villains for uh, hollywood audiences that would have been tied up with world war ii so lots of the villains had german right. accents um or russian accents as well as the cold war took off there were lots of uh, the the russian accents um for a while i read there was a for a while there in the 1990s 2000s french a french accent became sort of a good choice for a villain accent you know they had gotten tired of having too many germans and russians so french as a sort of devious um kind of person of course now you get um the 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 villain with an arabic accent yeah we, we funny enough we were just commenting on this the other night the amount of the you know almost all buddies in tv series are now um, somebody of Middle East descent, yeah. or in, in a way. Well, there's the race it's, thing it's as well, really mixed much. up with it. But there have been studies as well done that one of the one of the the overarching um, villainous accents, so in North American uh, shows, movies, etc., is in fact the British one. Um, so there's a uh, uh, the the received pronunciation one. Yeah, well, the received pronunciation one. So um, so for example, uh, Scar in uh, in the Lion King, um, the British is. Oh, a, yeah. Most commonly used for villains, according to one study. Um, German and Slavic also common for villains and vo villainous voices. But the British one is, especially the Queen's English or received pronunciation, is often likely to instantly appear untrustworthy. Because it suggests that uh, they are from the upper class, kind of upper class, upper class, yeah, yeah. but also suggests that they are more intelligent, making it more likely for an audience to believe. I'm reading here from an article in the Telegraph, me, making more likely an audience to believe their complicated revenge plans. <laughs> so. uh, but that's interesting. If we finally bring it round to teaching, then for a long while, wasn't it supposed to be the RP accent that was learning the uh, language? Yes, the teaching of English. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if we come to accents and teaching, RP. Well, it's the default for the dictionary uh, listing of the pronunciation. It was the default for most pronunciation syllabus stuff in course books. It still is to an extent, although I think we could argue that there are far more accents now on our listening material than there were, let's say, 20 years uh, ago. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the, in, in certainly in the in the near in the in the near past, we've had this big shift, I think, and many, many books now have yeah. gone away from that. 
I think there's the right. other another question of of uh, in the past the the model for teaching would have been RP, but um, most teachers would kind of be settling for or encouraging the students to quote unquote sound like someone from England or someone from yeah. America or a native. Uh, we're not going to get into the native versus non-native and the, and the labeling. I, uh, but, but I, you know, and I and I was thinking that this kind of attitude had disappeared. You know, this idea of sound like a native. But on one of my uh, teacher training courses at the moment, I have uh, uh, a Chinese teacher, and you know, when she was talking about her dreams and stuff like that with language, oh, I I want to sound like I'm native, and I was really surprised that it was still kind of a prevalent thing but then you start doing your research on the you know you start having a quick look on the internet uh from it and clearly the, the you know people still uh some people still think this is a a big issue yeah oh yeah i mean there are still people selling the idea of sound like a per have a perfect mm. english accent whereas i think in elt the profession or certainly the part of the profession that we move around in and, and ayatafel and at conferences the we've moved on from transmitting an idea of sounding like people sound in the in an english speaking country to be intelligible yeah absolutely to from all countries you know so so the idea is intelligibility um do you speak i'm just saying because obviously you're a fluent spanish speaker uh do you so do you do you do you try and sound um like a like a Spanish speaker when you're speaking? No, I I gave that up a long time Dude, ago yeah. because well I learned Fr I speak French as well and I learned Spanish kind of via my French and for some reason I have a French accent with my R's and so okay. on when I speak Spanish so people think that I'm I'm French and it it bothered me for many years and and you know I could I could see that when I would be telling students don't worry about it so much and they say I have a terrible accent I say don't worry about it so much but I knew in a way that it was kind of hollow because myself when i would be thinking about my spanish i would think how terrible my accent was um I've, I've kind of come to come to terms with it and it's just a part of me and that's that's who i am but, yeah i think uh, i'm the same these days i was yeah. like i used to worry about it but now i just it's me look if you can understand who i am what i'm saying then that's good that's good enough for me uh with it yeah. and it's quite uh, there's a there's an article which i'll share a link to which is a, a chinese student who is talking about um uh, and she called the article, yes, I speak English with an accent. And uh, there's just a sentence in it. And I think that it's really good. We should be proud of our own unique accents embedded with an awareness of our own native roots. And I think that's uh, for me, uh, sums up quite a lot of my thinking. I, these days. I think, yeah, no, I would definitely agree. Although there is something interesting about this. And I think it is the difference between an ESL speaker and an EFL ah, okay. speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's often like, if you are living in the country, so I living here in Spain, I don't feel the need to to try to assimilate that much or have a really nice Spanish accent because I'm me and I'm from Canada and I speak French. And so my accent is a part of me. And I think of uh, Spanish speakers who live in the United States who are quite proud of their Spanish accent. Uh, or or I, I have other friends in Canada who would often be proud of their, their uh, regional or national accents. Mm -hmm when they spoke um, because it was part of their identity. However, I wonder for the foreign English learner, they want to speak and be intelligible. But for them, that means, well, to sound like an English person, because that's what, and a, that's what yeah, I understand yeah, but they, Is this a perpetuating thing with the materials itself? You, you know, it's the difference between immersion, isn't it? And and the model that they're exposed to. So if you're immersed, you're, you know, you're, you're, 
you you in, as an ESL speaker you're you're hearing all sorts of things anyway. Whereas if you're in a, in an EFL context, then the model is the one provided by the material. I know that's quite a simplistic definition given the way that we can access um, all sorts of accented English on the internet. But I wonder if that also wouldn't a part of a part of that. Yeah, no, probably does. Let's. Um, I think. I mean, we have an interesting discussion. I think we should uh, be a bit frivolous to end with. Uh, of course, being uh, British, my accent is the, uh, and I believe I think the word is the sexiest accent, as this clip will, <laughs> as this clip will prove. I'd like a Budweiser, please. King of beers. Bud coming up. Oh my God. Are you from England? Yes. Oh, that is so cute. So there you go. Everybody goes to America because they know that the British accent is uh, the sexiest one and we'll, we'll get on. Agree? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yes, actually, no. No. But uh, definitely. I guess we're coming to the end of another episode then. There's an episode where we've talked about language teaching. We've also got Hans Gruber in there. We didn't talk about language teaching a lot. I think we talked about it at the end. I know, but an episode that has language teaching and Hans Gruber and Blofeld and Dick Van Dyke. And Tarkin and Star Wars. I don't, don't know if we can ever top that. Which... I'm going to have to go lie down. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, everybody. Right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our accents for the last... 40 minutes or whatever. <laughs> okay, see you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. Bye. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an activity you can take into class. Here on TEFL Commute, we're big fans of drilling. So next time you want to practice a piece of language, bring out a drill to help the students get to grips with the pattern and sound of the new language. Drills come in many shapes and sizes and can be combined for maximum engagement. For example, you could start with a mumble drill, where the students literally mumble the sentence a few times. This gives them the opportunity to practice it privately. Once the students have gained confidence from this private drill, move to a choral drill and here's where we can bring in some accents. As the students are chorally drilling, you can give them cues to vary how they're saying it. For example, now say it in your best American accent, like a Canadian, and so on. You can up the drama levels by adding characters, for example, a pop star, the British Queen, or the American President. You can read the instructions for this activity and much more on our website, tefalcommute.com. You've been listening to The TEFL Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any of the episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at www.tefelcommute.com. Hello, Sean. How's it going then?